This is Build Your Difference, a podcast created by Blue Artists, a brand platform with one goal, to help great visionaries like you build impressive brands. Every month, we'll bring you insightful tips, knowledge, and compelling stories from successful entrepreneurs and the Blue Artists team on how to create and market a winning brand that does more than just launch a new product or service. It starts an ongoing conversation because you're not just making a brand, you're making a difference. Let's start building. Usually the way I do this um, is, I thought it'd just be great to get started by having you tell us who you are, what you do, uh, and just give us a little background on on your book. Um, I believe that was published, what, in December, 2020? Um, Yes, it was. Boy, it just seems so long ago. Yeah, Um, yeah. So, Um, I am a storyteller. I've been a storyteller since I was about seven years old. And if storytelling or lying is a (laughs) mental illness, then I got that. Okay, because I've been making up stories ever since I was seven years old. Mm. Maybe just my imagination has, but this is really the truth. And I make up lyrics to songs. I have something that I see like a bug when I was younger or a cow if I went to the country for my my grandparents or now my ancestors or anything, the sun or the color blue. Um, I've been telling stories and making them up and lying when I was younger. And then I recognized the error of my ways. And so I just made up stories and it was a protection mechanism for maybe some of the turmoil that I faced as a black child in the city. I didn't have a hard life because my parents were both educators, but sometimes some of the places where we lived were hard life because at during those times, it was harder for black people to get jobs as teachers. Mm -hmm. So my father who went on to be a principal and principal of the year and not a superintendent of sorts, but a sort of a mentor to other teachers in Arlington, Virginia, um, had a hard road. Both of my parents were 90. My mom was deceased this year from COVID. Mm -hmm. We lost her in November 12th, exactly, from Mm COVID-19. So she made it to 90 years. So I had her for 90 years and I actually made up a poem about that, how long we had her. Um, So getting back to, I have a hard time focusing and I don't want to get off kilter. So I've been telling stories and I think I made up my first poem when I was nine in vacation Bible school. And it was something as simple as all the kids go in in line and we are women, all the kids stand in line. We read our Bible all the time or something simplistic like that. And so from then on, poems came to me, poems, stories. And um, I had my revolutionary side uh, because my sister was a, derivative of a black panther. So Mm. I was very young when all that was going on. But she said she deemed me Malikia. So that was my African name. And so I knew all about the black panthers, Angela Davis at a very young age. And my poems were reflective of that. So I went on and went on and I got married and I married a musician because I was very attracted to creative men. Hmm. writers, poets, musicians, dancers, you know, the creativity was a part of my, my game. 
because I'm also a musician. I play bass and keyboards and I also dance. So I was always attracted to that creative nature. Sure. So I married a, a very gifted multi-instrumentalist who manifested bipolar disorder after five years of our married life. Thus my story mm. uh, in the first story, Naked in the Shadow of His Madness, because that's what I was. And um, that led me to write stories that pertain more to mental illness and mental wellness. And my poetry was sad and I developed depression, depression disorder, which I do have at this moment. So my poetry and my storytelling, sir, are a manifestation of my need to have a cathartic experience. If that makes any sense. Absolutely. So I write to have mm -hmm. clarity and purity and to be cleansed out. I need a cleansing Got it. in my poetry. It. And I have synesthesia. You know what I, I heard? I, yeah, I, I, I was um, watching the interview you had with uh, Pierre, so the open sessions. When you sense right, right, and very yeah, yes, it's very fascinating. And when I was listening to that conversation, and the two of you were discussing discussing synesthesia, it's hard to say. <laughs> um, yeah, I never it, could say it as an adult either. But <laughs> oh, synesthesia. It kind of made me think of it's almost like a superpower. Yes, you know, and that's what I you tell know? my middle schoolers. I tell my middle yeah. schoolers. Your librarian has synesthesia. You know what that is? <laughs> no, Miss B, what is it? I say, well, I can hear colors. I can taste mm -hmm. them. I can smell yellow. So when I play the C note, mm -hmm. I see yellow. I hear yellow. When my mother used to call me in for, I told you that in the other interview, I'll make be quick about this. When my melodic mother called me in, Carrie, come on in here. We got to eat. And I thought about all the luscious meals she prepared. I wasn't mm -hmm. vegan, so I was eating mm -hmm. everything. And I would actually hear gold. I would hear wow. the golden hue. Yeah. I would hear it and I would see it leading me into the luscious pathway of her food in the kitchen. Okay. So, but I just thought everybody had that superpower. <laughs> But no, no, no. Yeah, I, mean, I just thought everybody. But it, it, it does, if you will, um, mm. color my writing. Okay. So when I talk in some of my poems, I say, we're tasting diamonds as we sway in a dance on gypsy clouds. And we see rainbow colored uh, notes in the sky or something like yeah. that. I mean, I, I'm just talking now. So yeah. that helps me. It helps me to write the way I write. Yeah. Well, I, I guess we should let our listeners know that that your your stage name is Blue La Poetess. Is that right? Yes. And I'm, and I'm, I'm wondering you, you're the first where to know about my change. <laughs> ah. But we'll talk about that in a minute. I was just curious. Um, how did you land on that particular stage name? Well, I took French for a long time, and I never mm -hmm. liked the pronunciation of Bleu. <laughs> <laughs> so I just took the the letters with not on my book, but now I took the the spelling, the feminine spelling. Now I use B L E U E, mm -hmm. uh, which is la bleu, and mm -hmm. I I always liked the color blue. 
Mm. Um, blue has special meaning for me. Uh, blue is serene, but blue can be sad. Mm-hmm. And I have a poem called The Hues of the Blues. But I wrote that as a jazz piece, you know, because we mm. have midnight blue and that might be a man that catches his, his significant other um, in the arms of another, you know, and that's a midnight kind of blue. So, <laughs> <laughs> you know, you see, I, I know I'm kind of a little nutty, but um, so, but then I wanted to pick my company name mm-hmm. and I created my company, Blue Lotus Illumination, for my son who has autism savant. Mm. So he's highly mm-hmm. gifted. He plays eight instruments wow. and he's also bipolar. So I wanted to find an African flower that was blue. So when I looked and looked and proceeded, we have the internet now, we have everything and I've been to Africa mm-hmm. I've, and Egypt, I came upon the blue lotus flower, which blooms other places, but it specifically blooms in robust nature in the Nile. And I thought it signified black people and many mm. people who have struggles. But I feel like every morning, like clockwork with the sunrise, the blue lotus flower raises its beautiful mm. pod and it mm-hmm. spreads its petals unto the sun. And every nighttime, like clockwork, it closes its beautiful petals and sinks back into the muck in the mud of the Nile that overflows only to arise anew, unscathed, unsoiled, all of those things like black people. We mm. always have to mm. do that. We always have to go into the muck. Yeah. And many races do, and many yeah. social economic groups. And then we raise above the muck, unscathed, unsoiled, mm. and we spread our wings and we, I mean, not our wings, our petals, and we bloom. Yeah. So that's why my fascination with the blue. And okay. one other, I mm-hmm. love water. Uh-huh. Yep. It's hard to find blue water in DC. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Yeah, it's so, interesting. I, I love being near water around it, but I've never too. been comfortable in it. I'm, you know? I'm comfortable in it, but I like being around it more. So yeah. we're synonymous with that because I tell you why. Water. Can't you mm. create near the water? You can have clarity near the mm-hmm. water. You can just think about possibilities near the water. All of that mm-hmm. is, and then you have the blue water, you have the blue sky. It's very hard, as I said, to find blue water in DC. Mm-hmm. But you can go to Virginia Beach, you can go to the Bay, mm-hmm. Chesapeake Bay in Maryland, you can go to the ocean. So that's blue, that's why blue. Mm-hmm. And, and so your book is kind of a culmination of your experiences with, with your husband and your son and their their struggles, is that right? Yes, it's a culmination of my husband, my son, because Mm -hmm. my son's story is gonna come out in book three. Okay. And his story, and all of my stories, if you will, Mm -hmm. have madness encrypted in them. So the first story is naked in the shadows of his madness. And that's because I was felt vulnerable Mm -hmm. and the abuse and, you know, the tragic love story of the nakedness of my abuse um, mm. was in the shadows of his shadow self. So that's my first poem talks about, can I dwell in the moon shadow of your shadow self? Mm. Because I felt like I had to ask permission to be a part of even his shadow. Yeah. 
So the next story is called Beautiful Madness because it dealt with a, a, a gentleman who was also mentally ill, but he was beautiful. He was just beautiful physically and intellectually and just everything, just yeah. creatively. But he had bipolar disorder. He was a narcissist. Thus, that beauty was tragic. That's why I have a song called Tragically Beautiful. I should rock that too. And um, I should play that sometime on here. So uh, on my phone. And, and you know, that's that story. But Cameron's story, my son, mm -hmm. he's going by Fifth Element now. <laughs> that's his stage name, Fifth Element. He's had all kinds of names. So it's Fifth Element now. He's somewhere in the Fifth Element. And his story is called Genius of Musical Madness. So every story has a madness in there. So I got naked in the shadows. I got beautiful madness. In the next book coming up, I got madness on canvas. And that's a sad story of a gifted black youth who went mm. to uh, HBCU, um, historically black university. And in his senior year, he developed schizophrenia. Mm. So he was an astrophysicist major, mm. oh, uh, wow. astrophysics major, and he yeah. was also an art major. So mm. um, that, then we have, please don't give that madman the mic. And I spell his name like Mike, but he's a singer. <laughs> and he had uh, addiction, sex addiction, and drug mm. addiction, and depression. Then we have poetic madness, which is not me, believe it or not. It's a woman who <laughs> was a poet, but she was just on the streets of DC. Mm. On the streets of DC, and she wrote poems on the street. And she wrote poems on scraps and gave them out to people. Beautiful woman. And she, but she went to a homeless shelter and she got married and she's a baby and she's doing well. So I, in my next book called Salty Seductions, I'll be manifesting some of her poems. Okay. And I just want to get through it. And then the next story is Madness on Canvas. I told you about him. Then Cameron's story, my son, that is um, genius of musical madness. And my story, my mm. story, sir, <laughs> is orchestrator of madness. Because hmm. I feel like I'm conducting. You go that way, yeah. bring the troops in and bring the, bring the horns in. Yeah. And bring the, you know, it's a lot of traffic yeah. in my head. So, and that's a poem too called Traffic in My Head. So that's the book. Okay. That's the manifestation of the book. But the book, like you asked me before, yeah. is Kenya's Ride, Kenya's Journey. Okay. Through the madness. So it's time for a quick little break. But don't worry, because we'll be right back. And we are back. Now... The topic of mental illness, I mean, that's that's a really heavy topic to take on. And also you have there's this personal experience in the struggle um, you're, you're living with there with all that. What about that? those experiences led you to feel the need to write the book? Because a lot of people would say that it's just too much, you know, because I would imagine you would have to really go deep and kind of face a lot of issues that some people would want to run away from, you know? So well, was I there a course that I ran away from? <laughs> that's, a great, that's a great question. That's a great you know, question. Thank you for that. Sure. I ran away from a lot of it. Mm. And in running away, I went inward. You know, depression, thoughts of suicide. Mm -hmm. It's overwhelming. Um, with my husband, my ex-husband. Yeah. And I in the book, when people read it, they will see how 
I was always in a closet hiding. I always was manifesting. I love beignets. I don't know, have you? Have oh. You <laughs> beignets, beignets. New Orleans? <laughs> so oh. I love beignets. In my book, which is a little tattered right now because I've been doing some reads with uh, people, mm. um, I have a part where I was getting beaten by him. He was hurting mm. me. And I said, I reach for rainbows, kaleidoscopic beignets that tasted and heard that I heard sugar sprinkling downward at diamonds into it. So I, I escaped into my writing. I escaped into my world of beignets. I love beignets. And I escaped <laughs> into, now that's not very vegan, okay, because I'm vegan now, but that I wasn't vegan when I was married. Mm. And I escaped into rainbows. I escaped into colors, you know, colors, hide me, hide me blue, hide mm -hmm. me yellow. Can he see me? Can he see me? Am I hidden in the closet? Am I mm -hmm. deep enough in my colors that he can't see me? So I did run away, but I tackled it, the mental illness in prose, prose and poetry, because luckily for me, the editor of my book or the reviewer of my book on Amazon my book is not doing very well, by the way. Maybe it can do. Maybe it can do better. Maybe it can do better in England. I had it right at the point where we were. Oh no! I, it came out in 2019, actually December. Okay. And okay. when I went to have my book, you know, have my book reviews. I mean, my book uh, talks. The pandemic hit. Mm -hmm. So I had to find a virtual way and that has not been very successful, but that's well, okay. That's I still have time and yeah. I'm developing it into a screenplay now. So oh, that excellent. might help. So anyway, yeah. yes, your question, your question, I can go off on a tangent. I'm sorry, pull me in, pull me in, bring me in. Um, <laughs> well, I was gonna, what I was asking is, is there like, was there a moment that you may, had you feel that, you know, I need to write this down? Yes, you know? when I was actually hiding in the closet. Okay. I knew well, that somewhere in the future I had to write about yeah. that. Your mention about hiding in the closet reminds me when I was um, reading up about your book, I felt like I have found some passage from the book that I went back and tried to find later on. I could not find it referencing about being in a closet with someone, the person on the outside with a, with a gun. Yes. Does that sound familiar? And I remember reading that and read that passage, or, and I wish I could remember where I found it. Um, I can find it. <laughs> and um, my my first reaction after reading that was, geez, you know. I was sorry for all the noise. I'm that's all right. I'm in my townhouse and I'm it's noisy. So I don't want to take up too much time. But it talks about I'm hiding in the closet mm -hmm. in the darkness, away from all light, all reality. It is shrouded in shades of gray. Uh, cramped and somewhat damp in here. I think about spiders because that's something that I speak. But then mm -hmm. I talk about there are more threatening sounds um, I didn't, you know, aloft that I'd anticipated all before I entered this dark abode all of maybe two minutes ago. I'm not trying to read it, but then it gets into the expletives and bitch, yeah. where are you? And then mm -hmm. it's difficult to hear inside the closet, but I thought I heard him cough now, you know, wouldn't you know I have airplanes flying over here now? <laughs> Come on. I 
crying over here. This is insane. <laughs> okay. I thought I heard him cough. Mm. Cartridge on his bar semi-automatic rifle. It's amazing how razor sharp your other senses become when you are engulfed in darkness. This must be what blindness feels like mm. to have your senses helping you in a way that sighted people could never know. Then I go on to talk about the gun. Yeah. And I give the particulars of the gun and the collateral damage that a hollow tip bullet can have on my insides, which is what he always threatened me with. So that's the passage I think. Yeah, yeah. The passage you're speaking of. Yeah. Yeah, and then I go into earlier how we got to that closet. Right. You know, his, he right. was a gifted musician and I, he was playing upstairs and I was on the bed with a monitor on my belly because I had a troubled pregnancy, mm. you know, and they used to monitor my baby's movement and I had about 10 more minutes and my husband was upstairs and he was playing his mm. piano or many instruments. And, you know, um, he said, he was talking about, he got great deals today. He'd already lost his record contract with La Face. Okay, he'd already lost it because of his insanity. People are not very kind when you have mental illness. And so uh, he was still talking about the deal like it was going on. So I got off the bed to uh, turn off the machine and I knocked over his 25 year old bottle of cognac, mm -hmm. Remy Martin. And just at that moment, he said, hey, Kenya, mm -hmm. bring me that bottle of cognac, cognac that I put mm -hmm. beside your bed, would you? Mm -hmm. And of course, I'm not trying to take up all the time about the book. Sure, sure. Everything stopped. I didn't know how long I sat there. Mm -hmm. I knew the piano was just still playing, so I had time for him not to come downstairs. Time to hide my crime. So I took a throw blanket and I tried to hide it. Then I got some perfume to hide the aroma. And I heard the piano stop playing. And I looked at the door and there he was. And then the chase was on because mm. I had done something unspeakable. I mm. had spilled his 25 year old bottle of Remy Martin and I was going to die because of it. Yeah. So that's in the book. I don't know why people don't think my book is exciting, <laughs> but that was a part of his <laughs> mental. Yeah. It's a. Uh... It's interesting. I, I knew a uh, music producer who um, had a mental illness and he was from Nigeria and they don't look too kindly upon mental illness there from what I've been told. And he, he came to the United States and I played a show at a, at a church one evening and he approached me, very nice man. And of course, you know, I had no clue at this time that he had any kind of mental illness. I'm sorry, that's my son. I'm just going to... That's all right. No, I, I'll get through this. If you need to take it, go on. No, no, no. Okay. okay. And, you know, he approached me after I after performance and very complimentary. And, you know, he, we would later go on to play a few shows at the church. And then he began to call me at my home trying to do develop these get-rich-quick schemes constantly. And the the... the the priest at the church who was facilitating these performances, I later found out from him that this uh, this producer 
uh, suffered from, uh, I believe it was some kind of schizophrenia, if I'm not mistaken. And he would often be at, at one of these shelter homes in the downtown area where we were living at the time. But a lot of times he would just be kind of walking the street. You would see him up and down the main street a lot of the times. And so, you know, some of these shelters are kind of um, uh, first come first serve for a bed, let's say. So, you know, he might have his own bed for a couple of nights, and the next week or something, he might just be on the streets. And I know you've said in your discussions before how, how the authorities treat, uh, especially black men with mental illness. And I don't, I don't know what's, what's happened with him because it's been a couple of years or more since I've known about his situation. But our, the preacher at the church, he was always concerned that the police were going to catch him in a moment of his mental illness causing him to, to, to act out. Yes, and like you say, he's not going to go to a, a care facility. He's going to go to prison, right? And that's what happened. Yeah. So that's what I say in one of my poems. You, you really did look at my book. So I say <laughs> that in there. I say, mm -hmm. you know, in my one of my poems, I say um, the blue arm of the law or something often treats them like they're something. There's something. I don't. I don't remember all my yeah. poems. Yeah. Like Sorry. the thugs. You know, because they feel that the result of their mental illness is akin to because they're addicts and they're and they're hoodlums and they're on drugs. So, you know, it's not always that, though. It might be because yeah. mentally ill people do self-medicate. Mm -hmm. And um, so it's a sad thing. It's a sad thing. And I when my son acted out uh, in Kingstown, which is a beautiful part of Virginia, where there's trees and there's nature and there's a lot of ways you can bike and you can run and you can look at the geese and certainly can't swim in the water, but um, you don't have a lot of, but, but you can observe it and you can look mm -hmm. at the fish and things of that yeah. nature that thrive in that water and butterflies and things. But one time he acted out and the neighbors called on him. I was at work. And when I got home, they had taken him into custody. And he ended up spending two months in jail. And I had to get him a public defender, which I now call public pretenders, because <laughs> they're still in bed with the prosecuting <laughs> attorneys. And then we had to pay. Thank God I have a family of some means. Mm. We had to pay money for what I call the gladiator, like the, the gladiators that were on scandal. We had a team of two gladiators that got my son out of jail and we were able to put him in a restorative setting where he thrived and they had music therapy, they had art therapy because music is his gift. Music, he plays, you know, eight instruments, come on. And he's been playing the harmonica since he was four. Yeah. So when that book comes out, I'll probably have another interview with you, um, hopefully. <laughs> but yes, you're right. That is why I've taken okay. on the mantra. That is my focus is, uh, movement against the mass incarceration of the mentally ill. That is my, that is my, my mission. Yeah. Uh, I'm about it in my books. But I make them a fiction because it makes it palatable. Do you sure, of course, yeah, yeah. I wanted to ask or bring up something about that, but before I forget, I wanted to make sure I asked you about um, your writing process with the book. You know, how did you approach it? Because I know some people are scattershot. They'll, they'll get inspired and write a bit and they won't write for two weeks. 
and will get inspired on a completely unrelated topic to the chapter they've been working on. Or some people just sort of sit down and I'm going to finish chapter one before I move on to chapter two, you know? I'm that person. You finish the chapter by chapter? Yeah, because okay. let me say something to you. Mosaic of Madness have a different cover. Mosaic mm. of Madness is seven stories. But because of the way I write, which is so yeah. broad, this is a short book. This one story could have been a book. Naked in the Shadow of His Madness. Mm. My entire book, Pierre knows, was 780 mm. pages. That's Oof. not palatable to most people. Yeah. Seven stories yeah. about seven creative, mentally ill black people. Okay, so my book was an outline because I'm a teacher. So I teach mm. writing and poetry and I'm also a librarian. So I know how books are you know, man manifested and I know yeah. the process. Yes, I get inspired, but I still mm. had the outline. Sure. I had the outline, the beginning. I wanted it to be gripping. So I started from the I started from the middle, or I started from the end, where I was in the closet getting ready to die. Mm -hmm. I started from the, from the end, and mm -hmm. I moved backwards, if you will. So I'm in and out of the closet. I'm in and out of the closet. Mm -hmm. I am to when he was a boy. And I talk about the atrocious treatment of his father and breaking his instruments as a child, mm -hmm. when that was his solace. I talk about a lot about sex, and how, because a lot of mentally ill people are hypersexual, mm. you know, so that is some way they feel like they can cleanse or extinguish or whatever, right. light their emotions. They can cleanse with orgasmic delight. I'm so sorry mm -hmm. if this is for children. No, 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 not at all. I mean, I'm just being real. We'll be right back. And we are back. So a lot of times in the book, you will see that my husband felt that he could lose his madness in my body. That's what mm. And he was really insatiable. Yeah. insatiable. And, but I was the vessel. I thought he could cleanse and lose his, his madness. So, no, I'm an outline type of guy. So mm -hmm. in my book, as you see the table of contents, I, you can't see it. I wrote it that way. I wrote, you can't see it. It's kind of flickering in and out of the, the backdrop there. Yeah, that's better. Well, it, it kind of comes in and out. Mm -hmm. Yeah, you can get a sense there. Yep. So I outlined each story and I just ended up publishing two of them that they were cut down because yeah. I'm long-winded. But yes, my writing process for a book is very methodical. Now, the ideas as they come in, mm -hmm. They're amused. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But no, even with poems, like being on here now with you, um, this will be a poem later mm. that I will say something to the extent, it won't be a rhyming poem. It'll be a blank verse poem. Um, you let me verse my thoughts. They didn't rhyme. But I was able to cleanse cathartically in my own time. Now that does rhyme. <laughs> yeah. But I didn't need to rhyme. Okay, I, I'm gonna write that down. No, but, <laughs> but I'll, I'll have a poem about the problem. Mm -hmm. I'm always fearful 
when I interview because of the fact that, you know, I know that I have depression and I know that I have synesthesia and sometimes I have a hard time focusing, but uh, I don't want to appear to be a mad woman, even though I have appointment title to be a mad woman. <laughs> well, you know, I, I'm sure people will disagree with me, but I think to some extent we all have a level of depression within us. Some of us just have a better, are better at, at masking it. Yeah, thank you for that. What you sure. said about yeah. we all have a level of depression. We all hear voices. Mm. And our control of the voices and how we gear them towards our focus event is a different thing. But like mm -hmm. in my son's case, he has schizophrenic features. So he woke up one morning and he said, Mom, is the television on? I said, no, Kim. Well, I keep hearing, where's the radio on in here? I said, there's no radio on. I hear voices. I hear voices in my head. Why won't the radio shut off? That was the beginning of his schizophrenia. He couldn't shut the voices off. He couldn't channel them. But I can channel my voices because I get them all the time. At the strangest times, I get a voice that says, Kenya needs to go this way. Why are you making her a non-sexual being? Mm. You had a lot of sex when you were married to your husband because he tried to cleanse himself. Be on your truth. I'll hear that voice telling you to change. Yeah, you feeling what I'm saying? Yeah, and I was actually going to ask you, in writing this book, did you find it difficult to be true to yourself in telling these stories. Very, very deep, con controversial, not, that's not the right word. Um, yeah, it is controversial, you're right. It, well, tr yeah, in a way, I guess I was trying to- library. <laughs> <laughs> you know, they're very personal, very, very complex. Parents don't know that yeah. I have other side. Um, they all know I'm a mental health expert, but I, it was difficult. Yeah, because I'd imagine it could be easy to especially the, those darker moments to not want to have to really face them or it could be uncomfortable even for the person who's experienced them that you might want to tweak your story to avoid that you know You're did right. you run did you run into that problem at all i did you're so perceptive it was hard mm. to speak my truths it was hard to dive in deep dive in the waters real deep mm. goddess of the water yimmy y'all you gotta dive in, that's what I call it. <laughs> so I had to, die. that's my picture, you know. Yeah, so yeah. Um, I had to dive in mm. the experiences and I cried a lot yeah. as I was writing them. I reminisced about the beating. I reminisced about possibly thinking in that closet at the very end when I say, I am walking on a tightrope. Mm. I got to read that part um, real quick. I felt pain, then nothingness, then blackness, because I thought he shot me. I felt wetness. What was the color? Was it red? I couldn't tell in the darkness of the closet. I sank into a strangled abyss that I was on a tightrope balancing on my toes. There are different kinds of tightropes. So, you know, I had to research tightropes, right? 
black wire. So I go into that. And there is the high wire, which is the same as the wire, but a much greater height. Walking on a, you know, I talk about walking, having a net. So I didn't have a net. And so there was no safety net on either side. On one side, there was madness, pain, torture, and mental and spiritual abuse. On the other side, simplistic death. Which should I choose? So mm. that was yeah. painful because I wrestled with that many times with my son in my womb. Mm -hmm. mm. I thought about taking my life. But what would I be committing? It wouldn't just be suicide, it would be matricide. I, well, that's the right term. I would be killing the mother of me. I would be killing the life in me. Even though a doctor told me, there's a 50% chance that your son might have a mental illness. Mm. So I'll take that chance. When I was in school, we had, it was a, one of these private um, um, kind of- I'm sorry, I'm not gonna sure. click off my- Okay. <laughs> It was um, one of those private, um, like an Episcopal school. And so we would have these services once a week. And I remember the, the, the ministers, uh, one, of his, one of his sermons that stuck with me had to do with suicide. He served in the, in the military and a lot of persons who, who serve come back with issues um, that often lead to suicide. Right. Well, he described suicide as a uh, a permanent solution to a temporary problem, and that line has always stayed with me. You know, right? Because I, I have this kind of belief that nothing lasts forever, both the good and the bad, and mm -hmm. things things will change. They might change tomorrow. They might change in five hundred years, but they will change. And that that is true. There are certain actions we can that we can take that can have both good and bad repercussions and you know with something like taking one's life there's no do-overs you know and so that's why he, he you and i have synergy here because <laughs> i about these ads popping up on my silly computer that's, that's okay i mean so i'm trying to ignore them but they just keep popping up mm. so you said a lot mm. i wanted to unwrap that so you said that you had the belief and many before that you said things and I have this COVID brain now because back in October I had COVID pneumonia. So there is. Yes. Yeah. So you did say that you have a belief that anything can change and it can get. Mm -hmm. I have that belief. That's why yeah. I fight. That's why mm -hmm. I fight for the mentally ill. That is what I fight for. I have hope. And you also mm -hmm. said, there's something you just said that, um, oh God, what was it? This is terrible that I have this kind of the COVID dementia or Alzheimer's, I call it. Um, you, you said that you believe that things will get better. And then you said something very poignant that I really agree with. Oh, can you recap it for me? I wish you uh, said that and- Well, know. that, you know, nothing stays the same. Yeah. It, things change tomorrow. They could change 500 years from now. That's what you said. Yeah. You said things can change tomorrow. I'm so glad that you have the memory. Um, I have to believe that the 
mental illness illness world will change that mm -hmm. will be more like it is in Broward County, Florida, where the police are shaking hands with the mental illness facilities mm -hmm. and not calling 911 for the police to come out in yeah. handcuff and put them down on the ground and take them to jail where they get no meds and they really have no beds and they have no no type of sympathy. I have to believe that. I have to believe there'll be more places to benchmark. I have to believe like in Denmark, mm -hmm. in Norway, you know, I've researched this stuff where they have awesome mental health kind of working mm -hmm. entities. Because I think I want to go there and benchmark. I've traveled a lot in my day because mm -hmm. I, I was a librarian at School Without Walls, which is literally a school without walls. But in this, mm -hmm. we have walls, but we travel the world for educational purposes. Mm -hmm. But I've been to Africa, I've been to Europe, I've been to South America. The one place I wanted to go and I haven't been able to go was Australia. And because Australia has a pretty good mental health system. So I have to believe, like we're saying, that it's going to get better. I have to believe my son's mental illness merged with his gift will heal. Mm -hmm. If I don't believe that, then I don't have any hopes. I have no dreams. And I have to believe one day, sir, that my book will be a screenplay. <laughs> that my book, Mosaic of Madness, will be a screenplay on a streaming platform mm. that will flourish. I have to believe that I will speak in front of thousands of people about my poetry and my mental capacity for mm -hmm. beliefs and mental wellness and hope. Yeah. And I already did speak in front of a big audience, by the way. Back in November, after my beloved mother died, I was commissioned by UNESCO mm -hmm. to write a poem about the future of poetry in the Afrocentric world of AI, wow. of artificial yeah. intelligence. Yeah. So I wrote a poem um, about that. I want to share a verse with you because it's sure. Me. I really thought to myself that, you know, poetry for black people and black people, I'm not just saying only we have religion, but you know, the soul and religion is a big part of our world. So I can't find the point, but it is a verse that says, oh, here's the point. Well, I tell you, I'm really mixed up. So, I have a verse in here where I say, uh, this is very important to me. Um, artificial intelligence can replicate the parts of us, our physical, mental, possibly emotional, to create the human that is deemed whole. But it's not probable, nor is it even possible to replicate our soul. So I was mentally going there with you while you were reading that. I think you, you feel me on that. Yeah. Artificial yeah. intelligence can do a lot of things. We can get the voices. We can it, it, it can replicate very well the shell of a person. Absolutely. Not but not the energy that's inside. You know, when, when you when someone passes, it's really weird. You can feel their energy has um, left the room, you know. Right. 
they say when someone passes, if you if you if they're in a room with an open window, that their soul can escape that room out the window, and you can feel the difference when they're gone. You know. Yes. So I have a hip hop side that you need to know about. Okay. Even with my mystical poetry, I'm mm -hmm. very much into hip hop and mm -hmm. of all realms of all ethnicities. Um, you have some absolutely dope hip hop artists in in London and in England. Mm, Absolutely, yeah. just some incredible poets there. Um, so I'm gonna read this part of the poem that is hip hopish. I know we're straying away. So um, this is where I'm telling them about what's gonna happen with black people in an artificial intelligent world, in this futuristic world. Participation in the creation of the prophesized overemphasized evolution of a revolution that will not be televised because it's in a digital cloud. Embedded in the brain of a people and stamped on the souls is the mantra, I'm black and I'm proud. So that's my hip hop side that, that kind of goes on and on in the poem. Yeah. So you, you can, I know you can feel that with me that, you know. Definitely. The evolution of the revolution. You know? Yeah, yeah. So I'm talking about the revolution will not be televised because it's going to be in a digital cloud. You know, this is, back, this is in the future. So that was what I was saying to them. So it's time for a quick little break, but don't worry, because we'll be right back. We're back, everyone. <laughs> That's well, the poem. It's a long poem. It's a three-page poem that I did for UNESCO. Oh, wow. Oh. Conference. Yeah. Impressive. Well, my sign is calling again, but I can't hear. Okay, so um, I, do you have any, any more questions? I know I've gone off the marker a little bit. Well, I was, I was uh, curious... Um, how you know the books released i think we clarified december 2019 and in that time what sort of response have you gotten from any family and friends who've read it because it's a very personal book and you know i mean i imagine it's it's run the gamut of support to to how how could you put you know your dirty laundry out there for the whole world you know my my, my brother and sister mm -hmm. my sister is very uh, she's a minister and pastor, so she's supportive. Mm -hmm. She's supportive. My brother, who is a strong black man who doesn't like the airing of dirty laundry, mm -hmm. he thought that I demonized the men in my book. He has never read it. I <laughs> said, he said, I don't want to read any demonization of black males. I said, but my 90-year-old mother, who was 89 at the time, said she doesn't demonize them. She uplifts them. She tells of tragic love stories in which societal oppression coupled with maybe self-hate mm -hmm. that they're taught, maybe some hard knocks in life from family members and friends and being, uh, the second story was about a very beautiful gifted rapper who was in the Air Force and that was not a good thing for a black man. <laughs> you know, mm -hmm. the Air Force is a little different. You know, yeah. it's, it's, he was very brilliant in math, and you know that was doubted, and I don't know, just a lot of things. So he came back from the war, absolutely battered and mm -hmm. and PTSD down, and you know, more narcissistic than ever, and uh, that was a hiding place for him. Yeah, the narcissism was hiding. He was hiding in his beauty and he was tragically beautiful. That's the poem in the book. And that's my song. 
that I should play for you before we go off. But anyway, um, so yeah, I've gotten mixed reviews. Okay. Friends have been hostile. Yeah. My ex-husband is not happy, but I don't mention his name. Everybody sure. knows it's him because of the Sabbath. Right. right. And, but I talked about our journey. Now, mm. the guy that I wrote the story about in Beautiful Madness, he's happy about the book. He's now in prison due to his madness. He was proud of the writing of the book. Okay. And that's the difference in people. Yeah. But it is a very personal account. Mm -hmm. And as I move further into my stories, they're very personal. Right. I have a poetry book coming out. I don't know if you're going to want to review that. It's called <laughs> Faulty Seductions. Mm -hmm. So it's a combination of women I've interviewed and I wrote the poems of their stories. Mm -hmm. right. But I'm a middle school librarian. So I will publish it under a pseudo name. And it has five black themes, five themes for blackness. The first one is black fire. All of those poems will be about black men. The next one is black flower. That will all be about the struggles with black women. The next one is black gasm. I think I don't have to tell you what that's about. Black <laughs> Got it. <laughs> and they're not real sordid or anything. They're not sure. real. I don't get into yeah, yeah. genitalia. It's just, right, right. you know what I'm saying? I, I allude to, mm -hmm. I allude to the folds of the skin and the sweetness of her, of her yeah. melanin breasts or something. You know what I'm saying? Right, and so, right. um, I know I sound crazy. The next <laughs> black storms, because everybody mm -hmm. has storms. Mm -hmm. And then through the adversity of it all, there's black bliss. That's marriage and family yeah. and traditions and picnics and, you know, music and all of that. So, but infused in all of that is some salty seduction stuff. Mm. <laughs> okay. So that book will be coming out in the summer. Okay. Um, maybe you'll call so me back in for that book. Maybe so, maybe so. Your, your current book, where can can your potential readers find it? Is it on Amazon? Is it for, through your personal site? How can they get a copy of the book? They can get a copy of the book from my personal website, which is bluelotusillumination.com. I think you might have to put the www part there. I don't know. Right. W, I don't put it in there, but www.bluelotusillumination.com. Okay. All together. They can also get the book on Amazon. Mm -hmm. Just put in Blue Lotus Saloon. I mean, just put in Mosaic of Madness. There are several books with that title, but they don't look like this. Okay. And it's by Blue La Poetess. So mm -hmm. you will know it's my book. Right. You can get it on Kindle or you can get it on uh, the special edition is in color. And let me talk a little bit about that as we're ending. There's a black and white version mm -hmm. in which the pictures, I'm a, I'm a woman of pictures. So right. in the book, each 
story was precipitated by a drawing. You can't see this drawing, but in the special edition, oh God. Yeah, I can see some of it, it kind of flickers in and out, you know. Okay, so can you see yeah, that? Yeah, I see that, mm -hmm. so, yep. So in the special edition, this picture is purple. Okay. And the font is purple because that is how I saw my ex-husband's madness. In purple, hmm. remember I have synesthesia. Right, right. So in the second story in the book, each story has a color, beautiful madness. This is a man stooping with dreads, mm -hmm. kneeling. I know it's flickering in and out. Yeah. That's yep. in red. Okay. The font is in red. So if you're a person that likes color and mm -hmm. a little crazy synesthesia poet, the story is in red font. The drawings are in red. It's interesting because I once had this idea to write a book where I think, and this is years ago, like maybe it was like a, a murder story. I can't remember, but that in, on the page where a character is shot, you know, you're reading the text and it's just like the black ink on white, you know, as typical. But in the moment where the character is shot, suddenly the text starts to take on the red color. Like okay. rep, and it's like at different points in the on the page, that color red is so the text is highlighted in that color red. So it almost kind of creates this sense of blood trickling down the page, you know, yes. something like something like that. I, I like that. Okay. Never got it done. Never went on to do it. But I had that idea in my head. Why, you know why as writers can't we do that? Because if you think about it, it's what we see. Mm -hmm. You know, it, it is really what we see. I mean, yeah. um, I, I think that, um, I don't know, I'm trying to find my song so I can play it as we go out. Um, it's on iTunes. Um, but I don't know why we can't do that. And I, I attempted to make my my book a work of art. Mm. I, got, I hired an a artist who got what I wanted. I walked him through the drawings of the creatures of the day, the uh, Naked in the Shadow of Madness. I walked him through that and what I wanted and the colors. So he made Naked in the Shadow of His Madness, a mm -hmm. picture of a woman ensconced in a closet. You can't see. Yeah. She's in okay. the closet mm -hmm. and that's her in the front yeah. folded arms. And in the shadows, you see a male. I don't know if you right. can see that. Yeah, I can see he's in the doorway. Yeah. There's a man kneeling, hiding his beautiful face. Yeah. It's called Beautiful Madison. He has dreads and his body is beautiful. You can see the, the sculpture nature of it, but he's tragically beautiful. Yeah. So um, I can't find my song. I know this. They can also find my book on uh, on Barnes and Nobles online. Okay. Uh, well, while you're trying to find the song um, for a a moment of, I guess, shameless promotion here. If you could tell us maybe how has your experience with Blue Artists and, and the publication with the book and all that, how's that been for you? Oh, it's been wonderful. I, well, they were the culmination of dreams of a woman who is now blue years old. So <laughs> that's the way I do it. I wanted to be an author. Yeah. <laughs> so, Blue artist mm. has made my dream come true. They, I told Pierre that I said, "You, 
you were the cultivator, the initiator, the magician that made all of this crazy woman with all of her words and her melodies and her thoughts come into mm. a book. This would not have been possible without yeah. Brand X, Blue Artist, however you want to name it, and the team. Mm -hmm. I was very sick near the end of the writing of this book. I think I had COVID. Yeah. Because yeah. they say that COVID came early. Um, mm -hmm. I had spent three days in the ER with my son trying to get a psych. Yeah. And everybody was coming in. People were coughing. They were dying. They couldn't breathe. They were vomiting. So I got a terrible upper respiratory disease. I could not breathe. I couldn't hardly talk. But blue artists took their time with me and got me through the editing process. I was very picky. No, that's a colloquialism. Please don't stop what you're doing, child. C-H-I-L-E. Mm. And the editor might have put child. I said, no, it's child. C-H-I-L-E. It's a black thing. It's a black thing. Right, right. You know, like this is a busty, overly made up woman sweating, but listening to the sax player and saying, please don't let that man do what he's doing, child. Mm, and so yeah. we went through that. We went through edits. They worked with me. They worked with me. And we got the book out. Excellent. They are amazing. They are yeah. amazing. My website, yeah. everything, the book, the book publishing, they're publishing my next book book in this series my next two books that are coming out mm -hmm. mosaic and Mass, and they're all they're going to have different cover because all the colors are different this oh, I cover see. is okay. red yeah cover will be more earthy colors um but okay. they're they're amazing they work with you their prices are very reasonable if i may say so you have an idea they help you they help you i'm a writer so i didn't need anybody to write my stuff okay but i did need editing because mm -hmm. I go off on a tangent, okay, let's right. go back. Yeah. I find that they're, to me, one of the best multifaceted branding companies. And I did my research. I am a librarian. Hello. Yeah. So I researched branding companies and I could not leave them. I could mm. not leave them. They would say, oh, this is one in Atlanta. Oh, this is one in <laughs> right. Spain. Oh, there's one in Africa. Oh, Sherry, you really, you're Afrocentric. I said, I am sticking with, I will do a commercial for <laughs> new artists and brand X. He did not pay me to say this, people. No, I, I think that they're good at everything that they do. Yeah, and yeah. They will, will get me back on track because sometimes I'm crazy. <laughs> we're focusing on this, we're focusing on yeah. this. Okay, so yeah, they're, yeah. they're excellent. Excellent. I'm so glad that worked that worked out. You made me feel comfortable. Oh, good, good. Yeah, this has been great. I mean, I know this this topic and all this, we could talk about these things for hours on end. Um, my family works in psychology and in counseling. So, you know, we, we're talking about these issues all the time. We could just go on forever. Um, but I think this is we're at the time we need to kind of wrap up here. So it is, but we don't have enough books in fiction. Let me mm, say that. And yeah. students can read about them if they're psychology students, but sometimes now and mm -hmm. again, people want to read about their experiences and they can say, well, this is a fiction, but this is my story. Yeah. Oh, 
This is beautifully done, but this is my story. There's poetry about my madness. There's poetry about my husband. So I think that there needs yeah. to be more. Yeah, well, definitely. Well, Blue, thank you so much for talking with me. It's been really great. And I hope the book um, has all kinds of success. Hope the screenplay happens for you. And, you know, we'll probably speak again in the near future. I hope that we will. And thank you so much for having me. And we finally connected. And that's what happened. Yes, yes. Three times a charm. <laughs> thank you so much. And thank you. Thank you. Same to you. Thanks for listening to this episode of Build Your Difference. If you'd like to learn more about how Blue Artists can help you develop a distinguished brand that inspires and engages a growing audience, then please visit us at www.blue-artist.com and be sure and subscribe to our monthly podcast for the latest tips and trends in brand development and marketing. And remember, you're not just making a brand, you're making a difference. Start building yours today 